We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, probably the second biggest day of the year for us. Oscar nomination day is upon us, no matter how sad and disappointing and <clears throat> just down in the dumps it may be for some of us who actually care about these movies. But whatever, we'll talk about that as we get into it. I'm not bitter that House of Gucci was snubbed up and down the card completely, so I don't get to troll all my beloved friends out there. But I'm rambling at this point. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Yeah, a lot to be happy about, a lot to uh, rage against, which film Twitter is apt to do, but uh, I think we got to dive right into it, man. I mean, there's so much to discuss. We'll do tallies up top, we'll talk best picture up top, we'll go down the card. I mean, we, we've been building up to this all year, and uh, if you're just kind of starting to join us again, we we got a lot of shows that uh, that set this one up, so go back and listen to those and, and look forward to all the cool guests and and all the specials that we got got down the pike here. We got guests starting to book already, Mike. So it's it is getting very exciting. And I'll tell you this: I'm a little happier than I thought I'd be, and I know you are as well. At least you admitted mm-hmm. as much, despite your playing a ham sandwich yeah. right now and hamming yeah. it up. Yeah, for the Gooch. Oh, I'm disappointed that House of Gucci is nowhere to be found. I feel bad for David Long. I yeah. mean, to have your your Lady Gaga bet die on nomination morning instead How? of playing out to Oz. I don't understand it. There are quite a few kind of big snubs, that, which is, I, I guess, apropos for Oscar nomination day. But like you said, let's dive right in. Talk about best picture at the top here. The leader of the pack is the power of the dog. It landed itself 12 nominations on the day. Yeah, showing strength with uh, three actors and coattails with sound and production design that uh, wasn't necessarily slated for. So Power of the Dog, very strong, stronger than Mm. even we thought. Yeah, Dune is the only other movie that landed double-digit noms. It got itself 10, despite a big miss. Yeah, it was a tech and craft juggernaut missing that director nom for Denis Villeneuve. Uh, No actors, which we expected, but yes, Mm -hmm. screenplay and editing for Dune. Belfast and West Side Story both tied for third place. They landed seven apiece, probably a win for Belfast. West Side Story, when we did its review, we thought it was a lock for double-digit noms. Yeah, Belfast performed better than I think we feared, or I feared, and you scoffed at. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think uh, Katrina Balfe missing out and supporting. Oh, my God, that is wild. But never underestimate Dame Judi Dench. We'll we'll talk about it. Coattails, though, for Belfast and sound and song, I would think. Uh, With West Side Story, I think we both backed off of the juggernaut talk in terms of the double-digit noms Mm -hmm. heading into today, but we still saw glimpses, and and, and you had an inkling that uh, Rachel Ziegler or uh, an editing or screenplay may show up. I, I had screenplay as well. Cinematography did show up, but yeah, a few misses for West Side Story. I feel stupid for not predicting that cinematography nomination, by the way. It was just so glaring. There's a couple things yeah. I'm going to feel stupid about for yeah. not missing. But uh, King Richard, six. That's a good showing. Six noms for King Richard. Yeah, the uh, editing nom is is a very nice surprise, and it keeps it yeah. alive for all the pundits in the world uh, because it has actors, it has screenplay, and editing. So King Richard, very strong day. 
I thought Don't Look Up would do better. It's got to be a little let down by its four noms. Alternatively, Drive My Car has got to be very pleased with its four noms. Nightmare Alley scored four itself as well. So the latter two probably surprised and a little uh, little impressed with how it did. Yeah, the Don't Look Up, Drive My Car nexus of BAFTA mirroring is so mm. weird because BAFTA was exactly right in certain areas and exactly wrong in other areas. And it's just, it's, it's absolutely bizarre. Nightmare Alley kind of did... What we kind of, what we were thinking its best day was with picture and a, and a couple of crafts. I didn't yeah. necessarily think it was going to go elsewhere, but drive my car. That was a lot of fun for me. Uh, heading back to the film festivals, seeing it all the way through. Now, now everybody's going to watch it. And everybody's going to go to the movies to see Drive My Car. So that's very cool. The last two rounding out the best picture field were also the uh, the other two with three noms. Coda and Licorice Pizza both get in, which means no tick tick boom, and uh, uh, no House of Gucci, Mike. Yeah, Coda. Coda and Licorice Pizza might have wanted more. I think we predicted a little bit more. I'm mm. going to ignore what else you said. <laughs> but no, and like Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, kind of disappointing, especially after the editing nom. I thought it was going to keep rolling. That was Weird early, resume for Tick, Tick, Boom. Early in the announcement. But we, we had the big eight. Dog, Dune, Don't. Belfast, Coda, King, West Side, Pizza. Did I say that right? I think I did. Yeah. Uh, I did three, then five. Okay. Nightmare and Drive got in over Tick, Tick, Boom, Ricardo's, Gucci, Bond, Spider-Man, whoever you thought were the next group, the next batch of contenders, Lost Daughter, etc. Overall, I think we did pretty well today in our predictions. I, we beat some famous pundits, which is really cool for us. I was tabulating mm. because I'm I'm bitter and I'm... <laughs> I'm competitive. I'm overly competitive. That's why we only do this three times a year. It's an ego thing. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're principled or that you're a gambling addict or uh-huh. whatever. Whatever vices we may just fear, like an addiction seeking. Just purely feeding our egos here. No, it's a total ego, right? But Because people eat up these predictions. But we had fun in the last episode. Uh, and I beat you by two, which I'm not going to let you forget uh, for a while. Well, that's all right. I've already talked myself into a, that being a technicality and us actually tying in my head. So that's how I'll remember it. You did. You sent me a very yeah. elaborate text this morning about you tying me. But we, look, we did 79 out of 105. That's solid, I would say, probably based on you know the tallies that I've I've done for pundits in the past. Yeah, a little We're less not than eighty like, percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the best pundits have done way better. I think Feinberg. Mm. I tagged him at like eighty-seven last year out of one hundred and five, and we don't predict the shorts. But uh, I'm proud of I'm proud of the two of us. So if you go back and listen to the full breakdowns in our Oscar noms predictions, BAFTA nom reaction show, that'll that'll still hold up. And uh, you know, it, a lot of our predictions will hold up. I think I think we've had fun kind of characterizing this race, or all these races today. So the, all those Oscar race checkpoints paid off in my mind. I don't know about you. Uh, to an extent, I mean, there's a couple obvious nominations that I feel really dumb about having not predicted and i think there is you know when you're in the weeds so much with this like we are you overthink right and i definitely thought myself out of some easy noms and some easy guesses but yeah i'm proud of us overall for uh having fruit to bear after this but also still nothing makes me feel as dumb as doing the uh nomination <laughs> prediction show i guess the bright spot for what the academy did though is that they they seem to appreciate the best of the year and it's not that's not something they've done previously. And it seems like this inclusion initiative that they've done over the past few years has kind of really now settled in and kind of made its mark on the Academy. And hopefully we can, you know, look back and demarcate Green Book as the last time something like Green Book is going to happen. I don't 
know that that's true, but I hope it's true. I hope so, too. And Rebecca Son of uh, The Hollywood Reporter had a nice quote about this. The nominations for the 94th Academy Awards on Tuesday reveal a gradual trickle-up effect for diversity with added recognition for women and people from the global community in both on-screen and behind-the-scenes roles. A lot of firsts today that we'll be covering a little bit in this episode and throughout the the rest of this week and next week. Uh, A lot of firsts to celebrate. The caveat is always there. We're glad, but these first should have happened sooner. There are systemic problems with the industry that we've covered time and again. And, you know, not to our credit, you know, we should have covered them more mm-hmm. uh, up till now. But 9,500 members of the Academy are voting at higher numbers than ever. And these films are more diverse than ever. And we're going to see a bump for some really cool movies that uh, are international films like Drive My Car, Parallel Mothers, are, are films with representation like Encanto and, and King Richard. Hopefully people flock to cinemas and streaming services to you know, give more opportunities to these filmmakers, storytellers, casts, and crews, Mike. I mean, it, it matters. That that, and this is where the Oscars can do good in, in many ways, uh, yeah. making careers. Uh, in terms of our top tens, though, I you know I had t- I had three of my top ten films of the year in this best picture ten. You had three of your top ten uh, in here as well, and I'm very happy, and you were very not. How does how does that? Enca- <laughs> I mean, could it could could something encapsulate the two of us with our glass half? filled empty filled yeah the glass glass the glass is it's filled to the exact halfway point and it's all a matter of interpretation from there uh there is look i'm excited about such things as like flea getting multiple nominations and cancel getting more than two nominations there's two animated features that have multiple noms across the categories i'm excited about uh the look of international i'm just bitter about house of gucci let's just be honest i was i was looking forward to that like people were so against it Mm-hmm. For no reason. I mean, I get the reason. I do. I understand the reason. But for the reason wanted, of, like, they took it so yeah. personally, when even yeah. if it made the best picture field, it wasn't going to win best picture. You know what I mean? You wanted to drink their tears. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah, and laugh in, in faces. I think... Uh, I think that's why we get along because I like when you like to do things like that. We're <laughs> we're, we're mean bastards at heart. But I no. I look. I think uh, House of Gucci was a fun movie. We had a had a blast seeing it in theaters. I didn't have it on this level. I think uh, I think you're out of your damn mind to have it <laughs> where you had it. But I think it would have been fun in in, in another way of uh, of putting it here to have House of Gucci as a straight up villain. And unfortunately, it's, uh... it's just it's just in makeup. It's the best film of the year. The other movies with uh, three nominations each alongside Coda and Licorice Pizza being The Ricardos, Lands 3, doesn't get in the best picture film, and Counter, like I said, landed three, Flea as well, The Lost Daughter had three to its name, No Time to Die, and The Tragedy of Macbeth. Those are all movies that finish with three nominations apiece, Michael. Yeah, being The Ricardos, getting three actors, Flea getting all three non-best picture, best pictures, but not getting best picture. Lost Daughter yeah. maybe overperforming. I, 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 Canto overperforming, getting score there in, in a way. Really cool to see. Uh, in terms of the two noms, Mike, we had Cruella, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Parallel Mothers, yeah, Tick, Tick, Boom, and The Worst Person in the World. So shout out to uh, the New York Film Festival and their programming, Mike, because <laughs> I saw a lot of Oscar nominees when I went there. Holy shnikes. Yeah, the original screenplay nomination for Worst Person in the World may have been the biggest surprise of the day for me. I was equally surprised about Parallel Mother's score nomination, and then I looked down the card, and you predicted it. So good job by you there. 
I had Mr. Iglesias. Did I think his name was Enrique? I might have, but that's a me problem. <laughs> Did, is that a reason why I picked him? Maybe. Uh, who's to say? You'll never know. <laughs> but uh, no, that, that, that's an awesome score. So I'm glad a lot of people are going to check out Par- Parallel Mothers going forward. That was a highlight of the festival. Uh, speaking of which, notable one nominee films, Michael Spencer. Kristen Stewart is yeah. House of Gucci. Good. Only <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home for VFX. Eh, it's money was the award like we kind of put in, in Brian McQuaid. We're kind of prognosticating. Yeah. And Cyrano, Four Good Days, the animated international documentaries as well. That's the layout of what we're dealing with framed behind the backdrop of what the best picture static 10 were. Those are your 10 best picture nominees. Let's move on down the card. Uh, Go and talk about lead actress, Mike. The nominees are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart, like you just said, made it for Spencer. Lady Gaga. Unbelievable. David Long impersonation. How is this possible? We should have mentioned this in the last episode. BAFTA, their nomination announcement came after the Oscars voting deadline. So the the Lady Gaga last contender standing kind of in the BAFTA field, that was not seen by this Academy. So she right. wasn't necessarily vetoed as a favorite. We thought that her being the quote-unquote one of the two and most likely mm-hmm. uh, most likely scenario there after Hyam, Jones, Reinsfeld, et cetera, Scanlon, Thompson were the other five. Uh, I like how I say et cetera, and then I just list the rest of them. But right, right. I was thinking of that myself. Go on. <laughs> Gaga was the presumed favorite in the BAFTA six. So the fact that she makes everything else, all the precursors. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Even if BAFTA didn't come into play, SAG did. Holy And she was God. there on SAG. She got vetoed, unfortunately. Yeah. She got vetoed, and my theory about Kristen Stewart's snub power came to fruition here, and she got in. I'm very, very happy. I think everybody is very happy to see Kristen Stewart. It's kind of sad that that's a one nomination, but... This could be an extremely, exceedingly close vote in this category. I mean, Penelope Cruz was personally my six, which is mm. probably indicative of how far away I thought Stewart actually was or how sure I was she was to be snubbed. I'm happy to be wrong. Good job by you for predicting it and sticking that out. But each of Parallel Mothers being the Ricardos and the Lost Daughter, you can argue, carried a show of strength nominee alongside their representative in this category. Right. I mean, you got that going for this category. You got Kristen Stewart being here. Maybe a backlash of the backlash of her being uh, snubbed in a lot of other shows going here. Stewart right now is second in the Vegas odds for this category, believe it or not, behind Nicole Kidman. This could be a, a very, very close race amongst all five of these nominees. I agree with that because in most years you got a nomination juggernaut film with a lead actress uh, representation. Mm. A representative, excuse me. So this year you got two films with three in Lost Daughter and Being the Ricardos, two films with two, Parallel Mothers, Eyes of Tammy Faye, and one film with a a single nominee. So if the single nominee is ever going to win, this is the best chance of it. And Kristen Stewart could be, uh, you know, the uh, (laughs) opportunist in a roller coaster. Except the single nominee killer, Olivia Coleman, (laughs) is here again. That's that's right. That's very right. And oh, how you remember this. But Penelope Cruz, Sony Pictures Classics, yet again with a late breaker. 
Uh, we, we were hoping for it. We were thinking it was going to happen after last year's The Father. So it just this indicates some real love for Parallel Mothers, Pedro Almodovar. It's a fun watch, a nutritious watch. Definitely want to give Parallel Mothers another shout out there. Otherwise, being the Ricardos, Nicole Kidman, winning that globe, it's going to be a race to dissect, Michael, where I think a lot of theories could come into play and... BAFTA's not going to help at all. That's all we know. <laughs> so it's like these precursors <laughs> can kind of vet many of these, but not that not that other one on the 13th. Like we're just going to be focusing on choice, which it which is again a weird timing for the critics choice that they're going to get such a late call and such a late, you know, pick there that'll put it in front of the academy. So if they go back to Stewart like they've been all year with their critics associations, she really does have a chance. Or just let BAFTA, SAG, and Choice all go for Lady Gaga and tell the Academy to go stuff itself and figure it out for itself afterwards. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be an interesting dissection uh, when we get through our category review there. We can move on to lead actor now. Javier Bardem for being the Ricardo. Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Will Smith of King Richard and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth are all here. Michael, you nailed all five of these. Yeah, I hope this would be the five in the sense that Denzel Washington and Will Smith wouldn't get a late snub, uh, even though Washington got that uh, snub by BAFTA. I was glad to see him get back here. But yeah, we had we had Choice Globe and SAG for Garfield, Washington, Smith, and Cumberbatch. Uh, Smith and Cumberbatch also added BAFTA. Javier Bardem had the SAG vote, which I thought mattered, and... You know, he had Globe before that. But, I mean, yeah, Leo getting what was probably a BAFTA vote of confidence, perhaps in the overall with the two. I uh, talked myself into Leo being one of the two because Garfield wasn't there at BAFTA. And Smith never gotten the BAFTA before. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a it was a possibility. But, you know what, I think, uh, I think this is a cool five. Huge names in this five mm-hmm. former winners. So we're going to have a, a great race to talk about in lead actor. Some snubs, Mahershala Ali, Leo, like you said. Peter Dinklage would have been cool. Mm-hmm. They all they all have two major precursors apiece. Uh, Hitatoshi Nishijima, I wonder how close he was from Drive My Car, uh, being that Drive My Car had such a good day here at nominations. Bradley Cooper, Nightmare Alley. That, that, was, that was probably what they're kicking themselves the most for. Bradley Cooper missing out in both supporting and lead again. So any kind of uh, theory about him not playing well with the Academy is not just a theory anymore. But I think at least it seems that way. Yeah, I think if they campaigned perhaps with him earlier, it was a strange kind of late breaking campaign for Nightmare Alley that worked in some respects, but it didn't work at least with the uh, with the Academy acting branch. And then again, it worked with the SAG acting branch. So maybe it's a indication of a, of, of a tighter race here, Mike. Why wouldn't universal have pushed to release nightmare alley on Hulu a week earlier than it did. I mean, with the, with the release windows being in such flux with every other, you know, studio and, and streamer right now, as it is, they couldn't have gotten a week or so it, it gets, you know, they released it the day after nomination voting closed. I don't know yeah. if that made a difference. They still have to be happy with their best picture. But like, if you wanted to have like a, a surprise six or seven nomination movie, that would have only helped your cause. I think it wouldn't have guaranteed anything, but it would have helped. No, you would think it would help. However, I don't know that movie, the way it plays on casual viewers 
might it might not have been like a huge vote of confidence on yeah. not that that matters on film twitter so because sometimes right. the academy can be pressured into something if it's sure. making headlines in the trades and yes sure. film twitter i mean they're, they're human that's beings. the only explanation as to why jared leto's not here i agree i think leto got vetoed I think it's exactly what happened. This entire episode. Not that the Razinom necessarily was reacted to because it wasn't. It was yesterday, but he was totally, you know, being slandered by. That's what I'm most upset by. Honest to God, like if Jared Leto's in the supporting actor field, we could have had our first ever Razzie Oscar winner. It's two years in a row though, where he does this over the top performance, heavily (laughs) costume performance. Look, I, I, I. Believe that you would have made this Oscar season unbearable for me. Correct. He, Correct. And that would have been entertaining <laughs> for everybody else. More entertaining. Well, maybe. Or they would have all felt like you and I would have been the only one. Which either way, I got to tell you, I'm fine with. <laughs> but I, I do think there's some tighter voting, perhaps, in uh, in lead actress in particular and maybe lead actor because there is some variance here, especially with the precursors being spread out like this, you know? Lead actor, to me, kind of reminds me of lead actress last year in that, like, there was a lot of flux as to what's going to be that fifth slot, except there wasn't a clear-cut sixth or seventh nominee to be like, okay, this is the next guy up. In the same way that we were wondering about would Andre Day finally make it. Well, there was no clear-cut sixth lead actress last year to kind of replace anyone with, so you have kind of the five that, seemed most obvious i picked leo just to to be to have well honestly i picked leo because i thought don't look up would be better i bought into the hype that don't look up was going to have a better representation uh that a couple other experts led me to believe it would and it it just didn't the bardem controversy of him playing a cuban and not himself being a cuban american actor like you said and when we were predicting noms that should matter more it doesn't Mm. uh and andrew garfield here i'm surprised Tick, tick, boom, carried only two noms. I thought if it was going to only have two, then Garfield might have been in trouble, but he's kind of entrenched, and I think that goes along with the the Denzel and the everybody that's not Benedict Cumberbatch and Will Smith. That's not those top two. Those bottom three were like, well, there's nobody else who's like fourth on that list of three. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those are the guys that we go with. It's weird how the, the Tick, Tick, Boom Guild's weekend there was viewed as a sign of strength for Tick, yeah. Tick, Boom, but then, all right, it got the adapted without a lot of adapted eligibility in in screenplay. It got it got the editing, which played here. Went from ace comedy into into today's editing five. Uh, yes, Garfield, but I mean Lin Manuel Miranda was in the first feature for DGA, so everybody was like tallying up the tick tick boom noms ourselves included and saying tick tick boom had a really strong day. But I guess when you take the you know you take the closer look. How strong were those votes of confidence from the guild? Now, that, that's not saying people – it wasn't a close vote mm-hmm. where Tick, Tick, Boom got bounced in some of these fives. And, and I'm guessing it was because I'm guessing Jonathan Larson was that popular. I'm guessing you know Tick, Tick, Boom had all those narratives going for it, especially without the film festival love in many a ways because it just premiered on AFI and then two weeks later it was on Netflix or it was in theaters and then on Netflix. So – it, it didn't have the customary awards kind of launch this mm-hmm. year with Tick, Tick, Boom, Tick, Tick, Boom. So sorry to be writing the eulogy for it today. But, yeah, I think, I think I've been riding a roller coaster on that because Andrew and I were both hyping up Tick, Tick, Boom as more of a contender, a sneaky contender. But that did not happen today. 
Garfield's odds have been drifting as well. He's down to third right now, according to Vegas, in the lead actor category. Interestingly enough, the leader in the category, Will Smith, his odds are drifting in some books as well, and they're shortening in others. So it's going to be a, a true two-horse race, it would appear, at this moment for a lead actor between Benabil and Will Smith. Director is where we will go next. This is one of the categories that makes no sense to me. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. Uh, Mike, you have noted here that she makes history. She's the first woman nominated twice in Best Director. Unrelated. It's 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story and Drive My Cars. Ryusuke Hamaguchi does make it. So Denis Villeneuve is the obvious snub here. He had Choice. He had Globe. He had DGA. He did not have... BAFTA, which was I don't even that... care what he did and didn't have on his resume. Did people actually watch Dune? Right. Do people actually know who did what with that movie? Like, <laughs> it doesn't get made without Villeneuve being involved in every aspect. Look, I know people love Dune more than us out there, but even we can respect right. him conducting right. the orchestra for all the technical brilliance in that film and all the acting brilliance in that film. And it is a brilliantly composed film in our opinion in many ways. Now, I do think there are some story kind of slogs. There's some rewatch problems for me with Dune. I'm actually curious, kind of going into this next two months, if you and I can rewatch that film. And we kind of need to with some of the you know, the rewatch season category yeah. overview pods that we do. A lot of these specials kind of require us to, to take a closer look at some of these movies. I had a hard time after the festivals rewatching Dune, and I do think that is a, you know, maybe it's a tempo issue. Maybe it's a, it's, it's an, ans- there's too many characters that I can't. Then why nominate it for 10 categories? Like, it's the second leading nomination nominated movie. I think the degree of difficulty of the script coming from where it came from, being one of the biggest blockbuster flops ever uh-huh. in screenplay, gave that branch the respect for it. Like, this was an unadaptable film, unadaptable book. And we saw one of, uh, an Oscar-nominated Best Director fail miserably <laughs> to adapt it in the, in the mid-'80s. So... The fact that, you know, Dune pulled it off and Villeneuve pulled it off, you know, I think that got him the screenplay nod in what was a tight race. But, dude, I I am surprised that he doesn't carry through here, especially with people we were thinking were vulnerable like Spielberg and PTA. We both had, like, they were our fifths, and yet they yeah. were they were actually higher than that. Yeah, uh, no Adam McKay, no Guillermo del Toro, no Maggie Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal uh, Basinger, Bassinger, no Lin-Manuel Miranda, Julia Durker now, those are a couple. Mrs. Sean Heater, uh, you could even say, Mike Mills, you were high on all yeah, year. Aaron yeah. Sorkin had a little uh, momentum. Those are some of the uh, the snubs here. Uh, this is Campion's category, though, right? Even right now on Oscars Noms Morning, we can probably say she's got to be, she's been the heavy leader all year long. I think she's such a leader in this that it would not shock me to see Power of the Dog win Best Picture and Best Director and then somebody else get adapted screenplay, which we're going to talk about, obviously, but I would say... As far as sure bets for above-the-line categories go, right now, I would pick Campion as the one I'm most confident in. She's a heavy favorite. Uh, we have locked categories before to our uh, <laughs> To our detriment, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. so look, she's a favorite of the screenplay branch, having won the piano in the past, but she's mm-hmm. no longer a Guild member, strangely enough, so maybe not anymore. I don't know. I think this is going to be an Oscar puzzle mess. <laughs> I agree. Right now, like we just took the puzzle pieces and we threw them under the bed 
and we, it's, it's going to be really hard to uh, to figure out uh, Oscar puzzle theory regarding Jane Campion, Power of the Dog. I'm going to relate it to Chloe Zhao later on, but I don't know if it even applies. But we'll, we'll, we'll get our tinfoil hats on for that in the rest of the season. Let's move on to the next category to kind of, you know, put this best picture uh, bow on, on this our This is what I think helps helps paint best picture, too. Go ahead. Yeah, film editing. We have Don't Look Up, Hank Cor- Corwin. We have Dunes, Joe Walker, King Richards, Pamela Martin as a surprise nom after not yeah. getting much in the season with King Richards editing. The Power of the Dog, Peter Scriberis, and Tick Tick Boom getting uh, Myron Kernstein and Andrew Weissblum their nominations. Mike, Belfast, Licorice Pizza, not nominated here. Summer of Soul with that, uh, that cool hoop streams hope that I had for it not nominated either so because don't look up had a i guess relatively disappointing day i don't know that four noms is that big of a letdown i just expected it to be a surprise power player it wasn't four noms is probably about where it should have been expected or most people expected it to do but because that's here and because tick tick boom had kind of a disappointing day and that's here and belfast and licorice pizza and those aren't and King, I mean, I mean, is King Richard now entering this conversation of these big three frontrunners between West Side Story, Belfast? I mean, West Side Story missing isn't that surprising because of how it was treated with its editing all precursor season long. I think Belfast missing is a bit of a surprise, especially when you consider those two missed at the whatever of how, the movies that actually did get here. So I think if you're looking at Best Picture favorites, Power of the Dog has got to be in the catbird seat right now for me. Absolutely. But I also think that King Richard is is more alive than we feared. I love that. Love that. Right. We we feared it was falling down the the, mm-hmm. the list. But you know, we also said throughout the season. I don't want to do this through the whole episode. We said this. We said that. Maybe I am, and I'm gonna hate my re-listen. But I do think we've said that King Richard would probably be more popular with the Academy than it was with the critics or than even the guilds. So. King Richard getting a composition category here, getting a composition category with screenplay, and the fact that those branches are identifying it as a a really sound composition, not just in those two, but in Best Picture as well, it, it gives it more gravitas, which is, I think, ultimately what you need to win a Best Picture in the vast majority of cases. And you also need the acting branch because it's the largest branch in the Academy. So King Richard has that. Does it have Kraft's love? No, but will the Kraft's love consolidate into another film? Most likely, yeah, with the power of the dog, but maybe not Dune the way we thought it. So, yeah, this best picture race is coming into... It's coming into a clearer vision. Like, I thought Dune was going to be more of a player in Best Picture... It's hard to argue that for Dune uh, as much. What's more of a shock to you right now if it were to happen? I mean, you don't, this isn't a feeling you have to go with, but just as we record here, February 8th, if these one of these two things were to happen, which would you be more surprised by? A King Richard Best Picture win or Power of the Dog winning like eight Oscars? I would be more surprised with a King Richard Best Picture win. Same here. And Same you know, here. I should. You know what? Dune and a King Richard are probably on somewhat even keel because Dune also got edit, editing and screenplay. But I, you know, Dune not getting. But director it's such a director-driven movie, and it didn't even get nominated. Yeah, not. That's that's a strange co- comparison between those two because the, the resumes are totally different, almost totally different. Wow, it's it's going to be a fascinating Best Picture pod. 
that we do later yeah. in the season because you can pull out the weirdest stuff. You can get and every pundit's going to have like this their favorite stat. Their favorite stat at mm-hmm. the ready for best picture because they're all kind of in yep. play this year. I agree. I agree. Just bizarre, bizarre stuff going on. And again, I mean, just looking at the top, these first five categories, there's holes in every resume except Power of the Dog. Right. Uh, Power of the Dog's got to be the betting favorite. It is the betting favorite if you look at Vegas's odds right now. King Richard is drifting in Best Picture, which I didn't expect to see, but it's down. It's like got the sixth best odds, which, I mean, if you can grab it at like 25 to 1, why not? Yeah, it's got a chance. And, yeah, and exactly. So does Dune, for that matter, even though sure. I'd still, I'd still, I'd probably put King Richard power ranked above Dune, unfortunately, which well, was I'll not tell you the what, case. Mike. Yeah, Dune is one of only three movies right now that had its odds for Best Picture shortened today. Uh, Dune, Belfast, and and uh, Power of the Dog are the only three movies that had their odds for Best Picture shortened. Meaning bettered or whatever. Yes, meaning meaning closer to one to one. Yeah. How does that make How does that make any sense? It gets me angry. He j- it's just I've got the biggest. Long ago, to not question Vegas. Vegas can do whatever they want, and I'll agree. Biggest with it. snub. <laughs> well, it proves me right for what I used to say, but now what I'm saying now is dumb. <laughs> this is what always happens to us every season. Vegas, thank you. All right, let's move on to supporting actor, Mike. We have Kieran Hines from Belfast. I can take credit for that one. So yes. can you, Troy Kotzer of Coda, he makes histories of first deaf male nominee here. Give us the video, Troy. <laughs> Jesse Plemons of The Power of the Dog. That's a cool MMO favorite pick on on this episode. We both had him as well. J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos. I had him. I had him like on on McQuaid's pod at the mm-hmm. in session chasing the gold. Yeah, I left him from there because I'm an idiot. Cody Smith McPhee, The Power of the Dog. Is he the presumptive favorite or is he just the critics' pick right now with HFPA uh, and, and his Golden Globe win in his rear view as well? Uh, J.K. Simmons, Mike. This is how turned off the Academy was by uh, House of Gucci in mass is that they they'd rather give being the Ricardos three acting noms with no shot at best picture nomination than they would give uh, Jared Leto his rightful place here in this category. And I'm offended. There is no God. Well, Jared Leto, he did have a quite the resume. I mean, the, the SAG, the choice noms. Mm-hmm. It was a resume that could have played at the end of the day. Uh, Globe and choice for Jamie Dornan. J.K. Simmons just had the the choice knob. And then Cooper and Affleck had the SAG. So this was a category that was, in fact, stretched to more nominees. And BAFTA didn't help that matter. With Mike Feist of West Side Story, Woody Norman of Come On, Come On, also getting picked uh, across the pond there. Love J.K. Simmons. Love J.K. Simmons, but Mike Feist, I would have been very, very pleased to see him get that slot. Right, and we, in terms of the Mike, Mike, and Oscars that are coming up, I think we would pick different actors. Yeah. It's just a deep field. Like, we had yep. a deep, quality mm-hmm. field in supporting actor this year. Uh, I am glad some of our favorites got in. And we'll move on to supporting actress in a second, but do you have any more supporting actor thoughts here? The only one I have is, in the non-prediction show, I said this could be a a category that kind of gives you more insight to best picture. That's how I read this. Power of the Dog gets two. Belfast only gets their one. By every metric so far, in every category we've talked about, the Power of the Dog has a reason, a reasonable reason, to consider it the leader in best picture right now. I just think that matters, at least on nomination morning. We'll see what the storylines play out from here. But as of right now, on the 8th, this is what my mind is thinking. So you're staring at the mountains, and you're seeing... What Benabil and Cody see. Taking those hides, burning well. them. Yeah, right. Bronco Henry, pouring one out <laughs> for you, homie. 
I'll never say homie again. I apologize. All right. Supporting actress nominees. We have Jesse Buckley of The Lost Daughter, Ariana. Ariana DeBose of West Side Story, Judy Dench of Belfast, Kirsten Dunst of The Power of the Dog, and Ingenue Ellis of King Richard. Michael, we picked three of these, but what in what we thought was a kind of a easier category because we had a big four with Katrina Balfe involved yeah. from Belfast is not an easy category at all. Judy Dench gets nothing the whole season and gets gets uh, the Oscar nom here. We have. Uh, Meryl Streep, Ruth Nega, those were our picks, but that doesn't happy with, happen with Jesse Buckley taking her BAFTA, Spirit, and Gotham noms and, and making it an Oscar nom today. Jesse Buckley, it's not all that surprising to me, especially when in light of Judy Dench. I mean, the, the Judy Dench nom, look, the Academy's notorious for this, especially the last couple of years. They take one acting category. They there's one nomination that comes from out of nowhere, and they just put the beloved veteran actor in it, like the Kathy Bates memorial slot, basically when she made it for Richard Jewell and had very little precursor run before that. Judy Dench gets it this year, and that's why I predicted Meryl Streep. I just thought there was going to be one category in which this happened, and it's Judy Dench. I didn't think it would happen at the expense of Katrina Balfe. I mean, we did say, hey, be on the lookout for some Belfast on Belfast crime. We just thought it would come in supporting actor, not supporting actress. We thought maybe Kieran Hines or Jamie Dornan would muscle one or the other out. Well, it happened here, too, in supporting actors, where Judy Dench apparently knocks out Katrina Balfe, which uh, that's that's just surprising considering the two resumes. And yet it speaks for the, the power of Ellis and Dunce and, and Buckley, I would say. I mean, mm-hmm. Ariana DeBose, it's still her category to yep. lose. Perhaps, and the first Afro-Latina nominated here is a piece of history that should be celebrated, even though, again, what took them so long. Yep. Uh, she won the Golden Globe. She's the betting favorite. So supporting actress has a, has a ways to go. She was great on sorted. SNL, too, by the way. Yeah, I, th- wonderful. I think she's, she's a huge talent. She's been great on television. She's been great, obviously, uh, on the stage. So she mm-hmm. is... She's peaking at the right time for this award, even though it's relatively early in her career. Having Judy Dench power back in to this category, it's got to rattle these other nominees a little bit because we thought with Balfe involved, this was going to be five first-time nominees. But now you have a perennial favorite, maybe a legacy pick, not a maybe, a, a definite legacy pick involved that beat what we thought was a top two. And, Kat- and, and Katrina Balfe from her same movie and vote sharing still got Judy Dench in. Yeah, the actresses, both lead and supporting, though, the two probably two of the top two most loaded resumes. I mean, Gaga had the best resume of the lead actress candidates. Katrina Balfe probably had the second best resume to DeBose and the supporting actors both are left by the wayside here. You wonder if they watched Passing. You wonder if this is a screener pile. Passing's got to be well. so so upset with itself. I mean, not not to any detriment of passing, not to anything it did, but to have the the hopes that it did and to come away today with nothing. That's that's a bummer. It is a bummer. Michael, move on to original screenplay. Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, Don't Look Up, Adam McKay, and David Sirota. Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, King Richard, Zach Balin, and the original screenplay surprise. That was, like you said, perhaps the surprise of the day. The worst person in the world, Eskil Vote, Joaquin Trier. Very cool to see in OS here. I didn't see a lot of people 
predict that at all to have the worst person in the world here, but good for them. And uh, the more I learn about them through you, I mean, you've done your legwork with the worst person in the world. The the more I'm in love with this this tandem here, the Eskel vote and, and Joaquin Trier. Yeah, it's very cool to see because th- th- these guys have been working together for a while. They're kind of like a movie podcasters turned writers, filmmakers. Listen to them in interviews, describe their writing process. It's fascinating. It's like if you and me were actually yeah. up to be up to date on the craft of it all and we just like talk to each other about other movies for weeks and then we transition that into to psychoanalyzing one another's personal lives into <laughs> <laughs> kind of the movie we wanted to make, and then you got another couple of weeks there. It's just a fascinating writing process from Eskil and Joaquim, and I do think that movie's got movements in it that I've seen it twice now, and it hit me differently both times. I loved it both times. The Worst Person in the World was like my 11th film of the year, 12th, so it was, it was close to my top 10. I was a big fan of it. I saw it at, the, at two festivals. So it's it's this is really cool to see. And we heard buzz that Renata Reinsville was it was in play and, and lead yeah. actress after the BAFTA win. We knew it was gaining. We knew that the Sundance uh, Incorporation yet again uh, at the at the end of a long festival run already that could factor back in and play like Judas and the Black Messiah, like the father did. Well, Judas and the Black Messiah did last year, kind of just adding it to Sundance before the end of the Oscar vote. That that stuff matters. This late breaking, the last thing you saw uh, impacts voters. And that was a striking film. Like you remember the worst person in the world for its highlights after you see it. So hopefully people check it out because I know it's coming uh, to theaters right now. That's what's cool about this particular Oscars, Mike. Several international films, Parallel Mothers, yeah. Drive My Car, The Worst Person in the World. That's what you should go and see right now in your theater. If you're a fan of this, uh, that's what I would recommend the most. And that's more proof, like I said, of this this new Academy influx, I think, is directly respond. I mean, there's a direct correlation, at least, between the widening love and appreciation of international films throughout various categories outside of the one and with the new, wider, younger, more diverse Academy initiative. Uh, I think you can draw a yeah. straight line between those two things. And Aaron Sorkin got snubbed for what we both thought was a really good script so so that's got to be responsible for being the ricardo's missing best picture right three acting noms it had the guild nom for its uh screenplay if it lands original screenplay with its three acting noms that's a best picture player isn't it in the same way i would argue no time to die missing editing kept it from being a best picture nom. but it does make sense at the end of the day because the sure got a strong uh vote of support from from sag and now it gets the three acting. So it does make some sense, but I, I, I do agree with you that being there, it was surprising because it still got the WGA, but the WGA is diluted, I guess, a little right. bit. And credit to everybody that yelled at me about the WGA saying when I said Tick, Tick, Boom is a lock for Best Picture nom, and they said, no, it's not at all, and the, the, the omissions mattered more this year than they have in the past. Credit to everyone on film Twitter. Yeah, even still, we, we had Tick, Tick, Boom as our ninth, a very mm-hmm. clear ninth uh, going into today. So we were wrong. Yep. You're right. You're right that we were wrong, so you're still right. But no, I think uh, I think <laughs> and that's boom. what matters. <laughs> that's right. We, one of us is a lawyer, and the other of us has learned from their argumentative style of speaking. Michael, the French Dispatch, Parallel Mothers, French Dispatch having a rough day, getting shut out. Parallel Mothers, you wonder how close it was here. Come on, come on, and a hero. Two Academy favorites in Mike Mills and Oscar Farhadi not getting in here, but the trend continues. The trend, I mean, of 
original screenplay breakthroughs, Oscar breakthroughs, Knives Out, Ryan Johnson, The Big Sick, Kumail and Emily, The Lobster had Yorgos, even though he had uh, he had a film and international feature before that. But we, you go back in Oscar history, an original screenplay has been a category to showcase new talent, to, to see the nominee that's maybe going to take charge over the next 10 years as a major player in other categories because this is again it's a composition award for for screenplays so that this is a vote of competence in these in these writers be on the lookout for king richard for zach balin in this category just keep keep your antenna up about that one king richard made some noise today and i don't think it's getting enough credit we already covered that but it remains true let's go on to adapted screenplay mike coda sean heater gets in drive my car Ryusuke hamaguchi and takamasa oi dune from eric roth john spaths and denis villeneuve the lost daughter from maggie gyllenhaal and the power of the dog jane campion those are your five they were also the bafta five in this category so we thought that the lost daughter and Coda were kind of trying to get in, even though we had a we had like six films for three spots after the WGAs and and that whole you know variable came into play. Both our cool picks got in, the lost daughter and Coda. So it that, makes a fun. lot of sense. West Side Story missing. Uh, I think we laid out the case for why we thought you you know don't be surprised if West Side Story does miss in our noms prediction episode, but uh, it it it's been weirdly treated in terms of its screenplay the reason we both went to it i think was just out of like a legacy idea well it's kushner and it's spielberg and it's a passion play and blah 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 they give spielberg the directing nom they kind of shun the kushner the uh screenplay aspect of it here i i think it's understandable quite frankly not a, a case of highs and lows with the west side story screenplay not a case of degree of difficulty we thought they did the bare minimum during our review and not to kick it while it's down but i do think it's important to note that when you remake something as oscar winning as west side story you do it conservatively it makes sense but they didn't adapt it for the times and they they really struggled in that regard minorities and there were story beats that made no sense i mean there were there were story beats within that just that were just bizarre they were Wrong in how they adapted that, in yeah. our opinions. And I, I know we're not trying to make things far too subjective today. It's more of a fun reaction show. We'll dive into this, uh, at least in the nominees going forward. But yeah, right. writing the eulogy for West Side Story today is, is easier for us in this instance. But all right, also out, Tick, Tick, Boom, Nightmare Alley. We thought they had a fighting chance today. Not here. We, we knew in a way that unless they came out of left field passing in the tragedy of Macbeth, they had some resume, but probably not contending today after those other big eight were kind of vying it out. Mm-hmm. It is it is cool to see Drive My Car be as strong as we hoped it would be and we yeah. picked it to be. So that's, again, it's an appointment viewing for, for people going forward. Does Netflix pivot from Don't Look Up to try to push the lost daughter? They, if they're not putting all their their chips behind the power of the dog right now. I mean, I, well, I know that's, that's say, a given. That's an absolute given. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. That has they to be should consolidate. I, I love, I love the lost daughter cast and crew. They should consolidate as much power campaign power as possible for power of the dog. Just go all power of the dog and don't worry about the other two is what you're saying. They, you know what? They're, they're really cool and how they do things Netflix, but they, it's almost to their detriment at times because they have too many films at times. Right. Right. And I love these films, and they got them in. But now, if you want to win, we we know, <laughs> we know how important it is to get people to like your movie 
Mm -hmm. the last thing they saw throughout the precursors. There's still a long way to go for the power of the dog, and there's still a lot of contenders involved here. In in terms of Jane Campion in this adapted screenplay category, I don't think she's a cinch here. And, yes, she's got got the fact that she won before for the piano to her name, but last year we saw the favorite and director and adapted screenplay have an Oscars puzzle theory play out. Chloe Zhao was the critical favorite. She won the choice and the scripter, leading the Critics Awards, like I said. And then you have Sorkin win the Globe from the other side. You have Borat win the WGA because Chloe Zhao's not there. And you have Florian Zeller take the BAFTA and route to his eventual adapted screenplay win. So I'm not sure that Jane Campion, if she's put forth in director the way we think she is, that this one doesn't open up, this category of adapted screenplay doesn't open up for somebody else. I agree with you. I don't think it's closed by any by any means, especially when you consider, I mean, that Oscars puzzle thing where maybe they don't want a Power of the Dog to be that six or seven Oscar time winner, you know, Oscar trophy winner, and they go in a different direction here just out of sympathy, I guess, empathy, or wanting to spread the love as much as they can. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that you can talk yourself into going in a different direction than the favorite and adapted screenplay. I would agree with that. Those are the above the line, those the big eight categories alongside editing there. We can start talking about below the line ones, pick up the pace a little bit. We'll go to cinematography next. Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Those are your five noms for cinematography. Shout out to Ari Wagner. A female in this category that is a rarity, unfortunately, but uh, Mm -hmm. she did a wonderful job. Uh, Perhaps my favorite cinematography of the year, if not Claire Mathan for Spencer, which is a snub that we knew was going to happen today, but a snub that still hurts me nonetheless. I just rewatched Spencer. It was pretty darn good. West Side Story getting in here over Belfast is a pick that I know you're kicking yourself today. Yeah, it's just so obvious. I mean, you made a high school dance feel like this big event. You know, like, there's only a few directors and cinematographers that can do that. I just, I feel stupid for not predicting it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. We're both stupid together yet again. (laughs) What else is new? Uh, Belfast had the Guild Nom. It had the choice. So we thought the resume, uh, even though it didn't get BAFTA, No Time to Die had BAFTA. We thought that was a British pick. So, yeah, this is where the punditry kind of maneuvering didn't help us. But, you know, some other snubs that we want to shout out because their their cinematography, that was awesome this year. Tatan, The Green Knight, Passing, Candyman are some MMO favorites. And like I I said Claire Mathan Spencer so th- this is a this is a great year for cinematography and I don't begrudge these nominees but yeah there there was some there was some cool omissions as well yeah glad to see tragedy of Macbeth make the field though that's 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 very cool of it shout out Amy Smith Mike Amy Smith yeah good good call by you there Mike uh animated feature is next Encanto Flea Luca Mitchell's versus the machines Riot and the last dragon are there five tell me where you've heard these names before Yeah, this was the five that I was crossing my fingers for, and it played out. You are upset about Sing 2. Justice. Hashtag justice for Sing 2. Yeah, I mean, I'm just (laughs) upset that it's... This has been the the static five for this category all season long. I mean, as much variation as we had in a lot of different categories, there was none in this category come nomination time. You predicted as much. You went five for five. I didn't think. I thought one of the Disney movies would miss. I picked Riot to miss. Wasn't the case. I mean, it makes sense. These are probably the five best animated films of the year anyway. Well, I'm bummed for Belle. 
alliteration. Yep. Bell is one of my favorite animated <laughs> films of the year, but I didn't think it necessarily had the chance going into today because of the resumes stacked up for Raya and Luca and, and Encanto, the three Disney films, the Mitchells versus the Machines. That would have been a, a cruel snub to most of film mm-hmm. Twitter, so I'm glad that happened here. And then Flea. What is Flea going to win, Mike? It's probably not this category with Encanto showing cross-category love elsewhere being what might be a, a considered a, a more prohibitive favorite than we would right. think otherwise. But it's the, it's a, it's a fascinating category in this sense. Like Raya's superlative is its animation in my opinion. So Raya is in three Disney films, uh, an international film that it's a cross category movie. And then the Mitchells versus the machines, which is Sony went to Netflix released earlier in the year, which is another trend that keeps happening with animated feature. It happened mm-hmm. twice or three times. This like those are three was Luca June. Anyway, Mitchell's versus the machines was almost this time last year. Raya was early as well. Kind of that mid pandemic movie there. Yep. Uh, for, for, so th- that first quarter, in this first quarter of, of the next year could be, you know, a best animated feature released very soon. Uh, yeah, agree. It's a good point by you where animated feature has been. I think Encanto has likes to stand on too. Flea had three big nominees, but Encanto landing three on its own gives its, uh, you know, kind of slugging rights. They can go back and forth about which one is more properly awarded in this category. I happen to agree with you. I think it'll be Encanto, and Encanto's been the leader for quite some time here. Animated short, Mike, we have Affairs of the Heart, Bestia, Box Ballet, Robin Robin, and The Windshield Wiper. How sad do you think these films will be? I can report this. I've watched Robin Robin on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It is not soul-crushingly sad. It is very oh. cute. It's okay. fine, but it's a half hour, FYI, but it's a, one of the longer shorts. So are you expecting to cry your eyes out at this year's animated shorts? Or are you expecting it to be more of a fun bunch? No, I'm never expecting it to be fun. I'm always <laughs> expecting for it to be like some tear my heartstrings apart and just depress me in one way or another about a family member leaving me or or the world not working as it should. Or yeah, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Nemo, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing <laughs> that. And uh, us again. Those are two painful snubs for me. I was hoping those would get in. I actually did see them on the short list. Michael, speaking of painful snubs, documentary feature. The nominees. Are Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, Writing with Fire. I am really good with four of the five still. Uh, one of my nemesis is in here. However, my favorite of the category, yet again, fourth mm-hmm. time in five years, my absolute favorite in this category, The Rescue, snubbed. You and also Mom's favorite. And one of her favorite movies of the entire year. Um, She's upset. Mike, I got more right in this prediction than you. I got three right for our non-predictions. You got two right. The mm-hmm. fact that I predicted more right than you here, combined with the fact that your favorite doc was once again snubbed, that has to mean you're finally done with this category, right? I might be done with this category. Like, Mike. you've gone nuts over the past two years for this international feature. <laughs> and for what? For what? When are you at your limit but, with this perpetual betrayal uh, that this branch gives you? Yeah, I know. They hurt me so many times. And and fool me twice right. is probably the end of where, where it should have ended. But no, fool me four times now. I break my heart four times. I think that's a me problem. And look, the only thing I could say is I didn't over-documentary feature my Sundance. Right. That's, so that's good. That's maybe you're learning somewhat. 
there are there's all these easily accessible documentary film festivals though and i will say it really was a good year for them so that's where i'm at like i know i'm just gonna go in for those festivals i'm still gonna watch some documentary films yeah no i i went on a soapbox in the last episode out of uh confusion because i had no idea who was gonna get nominated even though yeah i had attica for a while but i moved it around so i kind of thought you were gonna be right with the rescue because it just felt like it's a movie too happy it felt like a movie with just weird reenactments and it's kind of rare that a reenactment film gets in i would say Mm mm-hmm I don't know. I, I'm I'm still disheartened because the power of a movie like The Rescue, it, it almost makes me think sometimes that they veto the favorite because they don't want the favorite to win the category. You know, and then this has just been my theory for a while. If they believe, well, you can't say The Rescue was the favorite though. Summer of Soul was the no, but favorite. No? It was the audience favorite it, 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 for much of the film festival circuit. You're right. Summer of Soul was an audience favorite, literally at Sundance when it started, and it is an audience favorite. Flea is also an audience favorite. So maybe they have two audience favorites built in here already. And I'm glad they did not snub snub those two films. Those are in my top five of the year, and I predicted them for for that reason because I just predicted my top five last episode. Billie Eilish, again, that kind of made sense, even though we were hoping for it. But uh, The Rescue's resume was as strong as anything. And The Rescue got snubbed just just because this branch snubs a huge resume every single year. And usually the best resume, at least Summer of Soul, which has the best resume, got in. I I don't think Summer of Soul is going to win. I just have a feeling. Ascension might win. It's the weirdest documentary structure in a while. And it it does. Mike, they literally just like have a candid camera filming just common workplace environments in China. And it gets it gets more involved as you go. And I guess the tapestry of it all is something that might play. But, you know, it was during Tribeca, one of five films in a day. Ascension did not work on me. Maybe I'll rewatch it. I probably won't rewatch it. I will say this, though. Writing with Fire, that was that's a nice surprise today. That was a really good film. Last year's Sundance, an important one as well. So maybe that one with the uh, the levels of journalism that it's succeeding at, both in front of and behind the camera, might be uh, might be uh, right up the Academy's alley. So that would be a cool pick if it does go that direction. Uh, this branch does respect hard-won journalism turned into film, turned into cinema. I might veto your documentary watching ability for all of 2022 from here on out because I can't watch them do this to you over and over again. I appreciate that, uh, and I, uh, I deserve the tough love <laughs> in this category. Michael, documentary short. We have Audible on Netflix, Lead Me Home, The Queen of Basketball, which I've seen and, and I like very much, uh, Three Songs for Benazir, and When We Were Bullies. How will your heart break when you watch these five? And again, I could say The Queen of Basketball is fun, so at least you know you know, one is not going to break your heart. But do you, do you expect to cry or do you expect to... Uh, to kind of be enriched. Well, the doc shorts historically have terrified me mm. more so about like uh, how the world is working and in, in places that I'm not aware of. So that's kind of what I'm expecting from these, uh, to be quite honest with you, but uh, we'll report back when we see all the shorts. You have seen some, I have not seen any of these yet. The live action shorts as well. Ali Kachu take and run uh, the dress, the long goodbye on my mind. And please hold. Have you seen any of those yet? No, I haven't seen any of the, okay live actions but uh this is a 
this is a group of films that we really enjoy every year, yeah. despite ourselves, despite our hesitancy, despite our emotional outpouring that is constant at at the, at the last second every Oscar season. We put these off, we procrastinate, and then we actually watch all the short films and they touch our heart like we never thought possible. And it happens yeah. every year and we're hesitant to watch them every year. And yet here we go. So <laughs> yeah, we're both, we're both dreading it. And then yet we'll be pleasantly surprised. We think we hope, or maybe I just set us up for the worst jinx ever. <laughs> International feature drive my car from Japan. Fleek shows up again from Denmark. The hand of God from Italy. Lunana, a yak in the classroom from Bhutan and the worst person in the world from Norway. Neon. Neon, you're awesome. Getting Flea in here. I believe they were the worst person in the world as well. I think so. Awesome job by Neon. Flea, you you would think it would be category confusion. You would think it would fall back in one of these five. And I would say this. I thought international feature in terms of name recognition was perhaps the strongest. Oscar Farhadi getting snubbed, a, a former winner twice in this category. His films, The Hand of God, Paolo Sorrentino. He's, uh, he's a former winner with the great beauty uh, out of Italy. I mean, you have major players like Netflix involved, and you have uh, an animal who teaches children, apparently, uh, as, as a darling in this. How in the hell did a yak in a classroom come into this category and get that nomination at the end of the day? It might have been the last thing people saw because these other four are festival favorites. And I that's think, the that's the only thing I could uh, the the only theory I have. Well, I, a rule of thumb going forward for me is going to be if there's an oddly adorable animal in the title of a film in a non best picture category, I'm just going to pick it and predict it. Like Ferdinand, my octopus teacher, they tried to t- show us that this was coming, and it took Lunana, a yak in the classroom, to finally hammer it home here. And this is just what I'm. This, this is gospel now for me going going forward in Oscars predictions. Yeah, you're not wrong, uh, even though you're. Uh, you're definitely drawing on certain theories that probably shouldn't play in. You it's, think so, huh? Yeah, it just shouldn't. I mean, I get. I mean, we all love animals, or maybe not all of us. Maybe we all should. Uh, anyway, I, I'm I'm baffled by this because the reviews I've heard of Lunana is they're not that obvious in terms of buzzworthiness. And you could have said the same about a uh, my octopus teacher last year. You know, well, my octopus teacher. Yeah, but it was building and building and building. I know it built late, like you said. And it came from the weird spring, where kind of you know nobody noticed it until until more awards. But people did fall in love with that movie. Eventually, it'll be it'll be a testament to, um, to you know teaching animals and animals with teaching moments. If this one actually pulls the upset against these other four, especially with Drive My Car being the prohibitive favorite, mm, yeah. Mike original song. This is a category that you have spent a lot of time analyzing and warning this ampas about we have be alive beyonce Knowles carter and darius scott of king richard we have dos orugitas lin-manuel miranda from encanto we have down to joy van morrison's song from belfast no time to die billy eilish and phineas o'connell brother's sister getting nominated here from bond 25 and somehow you do diane Warren in again. They're doing it to her again. <laughs> Four good days. Glenn Close on this card as well in that film. Both of us predicted No Time to Die in Canto and Coda, go figure. 
you led me astray there. You also yeah. picked Don't Look Up and Sing too. Nope. I also picked Respect, King Richard. Yup. We both got three out of five. Respect didn't get in, though. But uh, look, it, I changed one pick during our last recording down to Joy. I had in here forever. Yeah, you ben did. Ben Morrison. Yeah. I, knew, I just figured Old Academy would go for it. Yeah, it was a really good that. song. And uh, I nailed it so well that I bailed on it the last second for Coda, which was a great song, and it was in the movie. That's why I figured the branch would go for it. But no, they just want best credits of the year. We both botched this one. Uh, yeah, I don't care that we botched it. I'm going to say I nailed this category because <laughs> this is – I honestly and genuinely feel I was most right on because it was it's the easiest call in the world that the Academy would bungle something that is so unbungleable. No Jennifer Hudson, no Jay-Z, no Kid Cudi, no Ariana Grande. But don't worry, kids. We got Van Morrison and Diane Warren for you. Yeah, let's let's really bring in those that young 18 to 34 demographic that we're so desperate to have tune in. They better pray Beyonce actually accepts and agrees to perform, by the way. Like, I guess mm. you could, the only, like, Billie Eilish is so young that maybe there's an upset that they finally do give Diane Warren her long-awaited Oscar over Billie Eilish, which would be a huge upset. But otherwise, it's like, congrats, 20-year-old Billie Eilish, on being halfway to an EGOT already. Do you think they'll have them perform before the show, like last year, and only a couple That would be so dumb. Like, it's just, do you want people to tune in or not? (laughs) (laughs) The whole point of it being there. All you do is complain about ratings every year, and this is such a layup to get more people watching than wouldn't otherwise. And... No, you still have Beyonce and Billie Eilish. They're still two of the biggest entertainers in the entire world. I think it'd be a waste if you put them on uh, in the pre-show. Yeah. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, if he's not the host. Yeah. God, him right. too. Sure. He he could perform as well. So, all right. Original song. That was, uh, that was something you knew was going to happen, and yeah. you still didn't want to see it happen. But... Uh, Still, a couple big stars. Originals. I gave them too much credit for saying you too yeah. would be there. I mean, not even you too couldn't even make it. Right. You thought the <laughs> the white stars would still yeah. get in. Seriously. Oh, my that's, God. That's, uh, Original score, Michael. We have Don't Look Up from Nicholas Bertel, that trumpet. We have Dune from Hans Zimmer. We have Encanto from Jermaine Franco. We have Parallel Mothers from Alberto Iglesias. And we have The Power of the Dog from Johnny Greenwood. We picked the big four. The French Dispatch, Alexandra Desplat, is not nominated here, but Dune, Power of the Dog, Don't Look Up are here. King Richard you had. I had Parallel Mothers. And Canto neither of us had, and probably we should have because it didn't have a resume. So original score not going quite as as chalk as we, we figured. No, no, and we thought maybe two for Greenwood early on in the season. Then when, later on, we thought maybe two for Zimmer. No, neither was to be. Uh, Don't Look Up gets here. Dune does get here as Zimmer's representation. Good job by you for predicting Parallel Mothers. I think Johnny Greenwood's still the name to beat as of, as we record right now, though, on the 8th, and that Power of the Dog, and that's just another uh, you know show of strength one down the card that I think Power of the Dog is going to have a hell of a resume to beat in a couple big categories, in part because of what it's going to do in some of these uh, lower-on-the-card ones. A lot of firsts for the Latino community today. That is heartening. And to see Encanto and love Carlo, to see Encanto mothers involved yeah. uh, is encouraging. I do think uh, Hans Zimmer is in the catbird seat. I'm, I'm guessing based on uh, the precursors. But hey, you never know. There's some really good scores here. There's some earworms in here uh, that you can't forget. And, and we don't remember so, uh, scores, original scores like we mm-hmm. should. 
but uh, some great scores. Michael, sound design was a category you did much better than me in. Uh, Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. We had sound for Dune, No Time to Die, and West Side Story together getting in. You picked the coattails for the power of the dog mm-hmm. uh, you also had spider-man i just went off the beaten path i thought last night in soho quiet place part two would go the bafta way into oscar it was not the case west side story and power of the dog both get in as petty as a human being and a critic as i am maybe my most petty gripe ever is going to be especially considering i know nothing about sound design but how Belfast got this nomination? It's something I've been angry about for weeks, and I was a little, there was a little reprieve when when BAFTA didn't go with it. But I don't understand Belfast getting nominated in sound, and maybe it's just a show of strength nomination. Maybe people were that impressed that people that know what they're talking about with sound were that impressed with the, the riot scene. I don't. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I misspoke before. West Side Story we knew was in, but but yeah, Belfast was the other coattails nom here that reminds us of Roma, right? I mean, it reminds us of Roma from sure, similar. Yeah. A lot of symphonies mm-hmm. of uh, sound mixing. <laughs> I think no, it's sound mix. Yeah, it so, doesn't matter. Those two those two categories can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> no, they had. Oh Jesus! No, Belfast had sound editing. I suck. I suck. There's I'm just not one, allowed. There's to just talk one about sound. sound. Yeah, there's just one sound. I uh, I thought more tech. I thought more genre fare was going to factor in here, especially after. Horror movies had a ch- had had more representation in this category in the past few years that we've been covering it. So unfortunately, that's not the case. We got more coattails mm-hmm. in sound design. I wonder if it was two categories. Would that be a difference? Because this, it's hard to read because there's two guilds and superlatives on one side of it could outvote in the other side because there's still two guilds and there probably will remain two guilds for a while. You have to think Dune's in the catbird seat for this one right now, no? Dune or No Time to Die, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I think so, too, but yeah. I don't know. Michael, right. we've got to finish up with VFX Dune. Free guy. <laughs> After getting not much of anything BAFTA, but all right. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, we both had. No Time to Die, we both had. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. As well, so yo, we, we both went four for five out of this. So we missed Free Guy because uh, we had the Matrix Resurrections, with ha- which had Guild Choice and BAFTA missing here at, yeah. at Oscar and getting shut out on the day. Matrix. I wonder if that Matrix lawsuit against WB that they just officially filed yesterday had something to do with it. Maybe that was like considered a toxic property, and the producers of the Matrix were making a big deal to against not being happy with WB. I don't know, but I wonder if that's something insiders knew to avoid for that reason. Uh, otherwise matrix missing here leaves us the opportunity to forever call it the Oscar nominated movie free guy. So there's that free guy was fun. I didn't despise it. I, I thought I would it was, despise yeah, it was, that movie. It was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I forgot. We got three more, not 20 like last week, 23 now uh, for the, and for all time. We have costume design nominees, Michael Cruella, Jenny Bevan, uh, Cyrano Massimo Cantini, Parini, I love you for that name. <laughs> Dunes, Jacqueline West, always here. Nightmare Alley's Luis Sequera, uh, and West Side Story, Paul Tazewell. We had four of these five. 
Uh, Cyrano got in over House of Gucci and Coming to America, which were our picks. Cyrano, we picked in other categories, not in How this How did one neither of reason. us pick it here? I even said in the show, Cyrano's the obvious choice because it's the lone period piece and the costume design guild. You did say well, that. Uh, why, what the hell? Well, this how is the did, second most angry how did you not? How did you let us go off the beaten path? How did you not? Are, uh, it was obvious. Because of obvious. House of Gucci. My, my blinders were on with House of Gucci, and I was trying to slowly, slow play my best picture prediction with it. I needed and enough how, categories to justify it. And Ruthie Carter. I th- yeah, I was, I was hoping Ruthie Carter had snub power. Yeah, and yet Coming to America does show up in makeup and hair, but we'll go to production design, start wrapping up here. Production design, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Those all get in. Uh, anything what we got on this category, Mike? Well, you were right about the tragedy of Macbeth. They, I mean, they designed all those sets. I think when they build humongous yeah. sets, we should take more notice, Michael. Go with the castle, too, is kind of the theme. Anytime there's a the castle, castle involved. There's no f- castle in the French Dispatch. There was a castle in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, not the French Dispatch. So there there you go. But I yeah, was I looking mean, that had... up this morning, Mike, and I was, I was kind of surprised to see the lack of production design success th- littered throughout Wes Anderson's career. I was expecting more. But mm-hmm. he he does he's not notorious as you would think. I mean, Budapest got it, but you know, uh, uh, Isle of the Dog didn't. Whether that was eligible, who knows? Being being an animated feature and all, but yeah, Moonrise Kingdom didn't have it. I was kind of surprised at the the spar- sparity, sparsity, sparsity. I don't know. We're over an hour. Now. I'm just gonna start making up words. Sparsity sounds like a fun word. Sure. Uh, but look, I think uh, I think the set decoration factors in. Obviously, the set design, the art directors guild there, and yeah, when they build a huge town. And then a huge setup for the power of the dog in Australia, and it looks like the old west, or, lo- or it looks like the the northwest, right? It's Montana, mm-hmm. yeah. So th- that typically plays of late. We saw News of the World like mm-hmm. build a whole village, yep, from the from the, that time period, and and it gets in True Grit. There will once be once upon a time in Hollywood rebuilding the entire uh, yeah. California Strip. There, the Parasite yeah. House. Yeah, mm-hmm. whenever they build a huge elaborate structure <laughs> it yep. does matter and that's that was my blinders in production design makeup and hairstyling i have many blinders and they're they're in here as well look i think uh the eyes of tammy faye house of gucci cruella and dune we actually did really well in this category we both had those coming to america we you know i, I had it in another category the the previous one or two categories ago in costumes it, it does get in here shout out to matt neglia he had it for a while we went four out of five, and we missed Nightmare Alley and Cyrano. And my idiot explanation for Cyrano was powder. That was my last episode, powder, makeup. Yeah, but that's not a, a bad a explanation shit. based on how this category has gone with its nom. Like, they love powder. <laughs> they love white faces, making something uh, unnaturally white. Well, yeah, the clown makeup from the uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, uh, Maleficent, yeah. Maleficent, yeah. yeah. There's a history there, so I, I don't. It's not, it's not that terrible. Is uh, Isaac Tam and Faye going to be an Oscar-winning movie? The prosthetics got a strong vote of confidence with uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye and House of Gucci here, because obviously Jared Leto does not look like Frupa <laughs> da Weenie or whatever the hell he was. I think he was the guy who ended up doing the uh, the uh, costume design on Cyrano. You just said right, Paolo Gucci. <laughs> could go screw i'm done with him 
Oh, I'm sad all over again. As always, dear listener, uh, we want to know what you think. What were you most surprised by? What did you most agree or disagree with us about? How did you do on your predictions with the Oscar noms? Let us know all of that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast app or the Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do, if you would be so kind as to go into your app and leave us a five-star review, those truly do help us out a ton. Thank you if you have done so already. Michael, I mean, this is it, right? This is the start of the sprint. Officially, we have a lot of big guests on the horizon, a lot of big category reviews. We're even going to take a break from some Oscar stuff and do some other fun stuff along the way, but a lot of stuff coming up in the next two months or so. Let the good people know what's coming up immediately next from us, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. So we'll enjoy an episode like that discusses the fallout of these nominations, but I think we'll like shape it into more of a special this year. May even just predict the thing. We haven't decided yet, Michael, but we have a guest slated for later this week. We'll also be doing his show, Road mm-hmm. to the Oscars, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. David Long. It's, that's who it is. We're going to record David Long. Uh, we also have three other guests <laughs> that are booked, we think. Uh, and many other guests who we're putting out flyers for, uh, and I, I think it's going to be a guest heavy month. I mean, we're going to do two shows a week for the most part. We may do a few shows, a uh, few weeks with three, but we got these perennial specials that we just love to do. And we got these returning guests in many cases. Yeah. So this is and really- new ones too. First time guests as yes. well. I mean, it's a good mix. So we're far. excited. We're very yeah. excited. So truthfully, I'm encouraged by today. And that's my words of wisdom. I think the Academy showed a lot of good signs uh, in terms of picking some some awesome movies from for picking uh, against some not so awesome movies. And uh, I'll leave it at that. And I'll keep ribbing my co-host here until he can not, no longer bear it. Do I root against your happiness openly on Mike? <laughs> you do. You do all year, Belfast. Katrina Balf hurt today. I would, yeah, but oh why let God. facts get in the way of a good comeback? How dare you? Uh, look, we're going to yeah. concentrate on the best in film all year, like Mike just said. But if you think we're not going to cover something obscure like the reportedly horrific uh, Texas Chainsaw sequel, that's in the pipeline as well. We have that's plans right. for that, too. Counter-programming. So uh, I'm afraid of it, which is why I probably put it out of my mind. So yeah, some, certain be. somebody's going to break my balls about it as well. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can gear up for the Oscars with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Take off for the sprint, baby. Here we go. We will see you very soon. See ya. See ya.